1: Adam? Bo, Travis? Yes. I, our, our episode today is decidedly not on the matrimony side of things, but um, it seems like there was some <laughs> wedding-related news this week.
2: Yeah, we're creeping up on wedding season. It's uh, late spring, early summer. Lots of folks are gonna be telling the not soon. And there's a uh, app called Zola, which uh, lets people set up uh, online registries. And apparently hackers have just been draining cash from it all, all over the place.
3: Wow. That entirely sucks. Yeah.
1: What do you mean draining cash from it? How?
2: Uh, they're logging into accounts and just transferring the uh, money. So people would be giving money uh, for people's registries. It's sort of like GoFundMe for weddings is my understanding of it.
1: Oh, so it's not like So it's actual cash in there and they, right. can, drain, and they can pull it out. Oh, boy. What are we thinking about this other than the fact that, yeah, so what? Another bunch of callous jerks stole some money from a bunch of people who are Going to be callous jerks to each other in ten years. Oh my gosh, I'm so depressed. You save didn't really me. say that Did
2: you? save me. Bo's <laughs> getting in touch with his inner Eeyore today. I'm the...
1: telling you, this. Thing, listen, listen. We have to find something funny to say right now because we're about to go into the heart of darkness. Well, cyber one, one darkness. thing is
3: for sure: the, the story that you will be hearing, yeah, gives new meaning to the concept. Only if there's death do we part.
1: Oh man! Wow! Yeah, no, it's true, and I don't have anything to say about Zola. I could care less. I just want to get straight to this really compelling, really. I was, yeah, that's a great word. You know what? That's the grown-up word. Mm-hmm. Wait, Compelling. Wait. think about it. Bo has said I've used a grown-up word. It's 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 right up there with going to the potty yourself, Adam. I'm very proud of you.
3: Thank you, Boo Boo. No,
1: <laughs> um, no, but man, that that that's true. Like this is the first time I think, since we've been doing this show, where I don't want to do the pitter pat of like what's going on in the w- world of cyber. I just want to get right down
3: to it. You guys feel the same way? Totally. This is a story that you have to you have to hear. You have to hear it to believe it, and then understand. There are other stories like this out there that we choose to not wanna hear, but they're there. And it's very important for people to listen to this because this could happen to anybody. Welcome to What The Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, cyber scoundrel buster.
1: I'm Bo, cyber Billy Idol on a Jackson Brown album. Liker. And I'm Travis,
2: cyber Scalawag slapper
3: <laughs> And today we hear a frightening story of snooping, stalking, surveillance, and what happens when an abusive relationship enters the cyber realm.
1: It ain't good, people.
3: And $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's a d a m. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works. Not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Hope, I had the good fortune of crossing paths with you in the Southwest, but I don't believe you're from these parts. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are from and how you got here?
0: Well, um, I'm from the opposite of the Southwest, we'll call it the Northeast. And like everybody else who grows up in the Northeast and all the people flocking to the Southwest, um, it's cold and gray and dark and dreary. And I was lured by sunshine and light and palm trees and warm weather and all the, the stuff that the Northeast does not have.
1: Now, hold on just a cotton bit. No hope. You give me no hope. My place of residence is in the Northeast, and it is the most beautiful, light filled, green, happy, bird chirping, bug buzzing, deer romping, and bear stomping place in the whole world. How dare you malign my my em-
3: emphasis is on bear stomping
1: because oh, one I, day I tell is, so.
3: <laughs> bo is definitely going to be stomped by the bear hey kenneth the bear <laughs>
1: uh, so I, so you didn't like northeast winters let's be fair winters do uh, no,
0: no it's more than that Bo. Okay. it's really like you get three months and we get the rest that's one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay all right i i i I will p- retract my
3: protest. When I went to law school in Michigan, we used to kid about the fact that, you know, Michigan has two seasons, May and winter. <laughs> but uh, I'm from the East. I moved out West a couple of years ago. I love the West. You do, uh, don't you? But I you do. liked
1: it. You thought you were going to like it because of the allergy-free zone and then people planted
3: stuff. Yes, that's <laughs> The pitch for years was, come to the desert. Your sinuses will thank you for it. Unfortunately, I came to the desert after everyone in the world preceded me and planted everything you could fantasize about. And now this is the pollen center of the Western world
1: and my (laughs) sinuses are all
3: begging me to take them to the North Pole. Oh, well.
2: Yeah, I moved to the Northwest for the gloom, so,
3: you know. (laughs) Hope, we really appreciate you having a conversation with us today. We know that you're in the middle of a pretty messy divorce that involves a number of the issues we're gonna be talking about today.
1: Yeah, and if you have um, sensitivities around the topic of stalking or cyber-spying, this episode might be upsetting. Now, you're you're from the East Coast. you strike me as being pretty tech savvy when we spoke earlier, and I—I I was actually super impressed. Do you do you come out of uh, you know some sort of super nerdy computer background back east, or uh, what was your what was your childhood like? Were you just were you building computers from a young age?
0: Absolutely not. I was actually the inverse. Um, I was computer. I won't say a computer illiterate. I was just kind of a geeky kid, and uh, but I didn't really get introduced to computers until much later in life. In fact, this is a fun fact. I had to take a one-credit class in college, and it was called computer literacy, and I failed it.
3: Wow. You're not alone.
0: Yes, but you know, this is this is many many years ago and over time we learn things and usually we learn things not because we want to We learn them kicking and screaming because we have no choice And so my situation has been part of the reason i've had to embrace it because I would say not even very long ago I really didn't want to embrace it and on many days of the week. I still don't want to embrace it But you know, we have to do what we have to do
1: okay it sounds like you were thrown into the deep end and had to learn how to swim pretty fast how did it start though i mean what got you from failing a computer literacy test to uh, i mean where you're in a very impressive place now as far as tech stuff goes i mean you know you know a ton so how'd that come about
0: you know I think like many women do we abdicate certain aspects of life to our partners and you know we all kind of like we we kind of self um self-divide the the chores and and the the tasks around you know having a life with somebody else and I delegated like many do um you know uh, not so much money because I understand money I understand numbers well I delegated the tech and so that's everything from our devices, to our, you know, infrastructure in the home. And I trusted the person I was with. He had demonstrated that he was extremely savvy through his work and through his, um, throughout his career history. And so I didn't think anything of it, but you, you really find out who you're with when you leave them because um, the way they respond to, you know, certain messages or perceived threats can bring out sides that you may not have seen when, you know, it was brighter, sunnier days. And so in that instance, I had to learn really, really fast how to protect myself if I wanted to make that break and really extract this person from my life.
3: Your divorce sounds like a nightmare. But things weren't always that way, right? That's correct. How did you meet your ex-husband?
0: I met Bob decades ago. Uh, You know, Bob and I met in a very unconventional way for today's times. Um, We met in a bar, like I think the majority of people used to do. Um, But, you know, it was, uh, I was actually attracted to Bob initially because he was very unlike the majority of the other um, potential partners or suitors I saw around me. And that was refreshing. I like to have in-depth and thoughtful discussions with people and, you know, challenge the status quo. And so I was looking for a, um, a mentally stimulating partner that would keep me on my toes. And man, I'm at the match.
3: What you mean then, too, is Bob was one of the few sober guys at the bar when you were
0: there. No, I'm not saying that. I definitely am not saying that. But in fact, that At the time, you know, in the, within the tolerance of, you know, the stuff that you as a woman um encounter in the context of dating, he he was the antithesis of all those things. Like, you know, the shyster, the guy that just wants to get in your pants, the guy that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he just, he just appeared. And I say loosely appeared because it seems to have just been a mirage. He seems to have been the appearance of what I was looking for. He grew up in a place similar to me and had values that were similar to me. And I thought that that seemed to be kind of a, an unusual thing. Um, so it was, it appeared to be very, very similar to my background, but again, I say it all appeared this way. And then at some point I realized that it was very, very much the opposite of what I thought I had.
2: And in terms of after you uh, both met, was that something where it was like a instant deep relationship or did it take a little bit longer?
0: Uh, No, it was instant. And so, I mean, I can go back and be like, oh, yes, you know, it was love at first sight. I actually don't know that I believe in that. However, at the time, uh, it just seemed like it was so wonderful. It was so, you know, happenstance. In reality, I've learned since that when you find someone and the relationship deepens that quickly, it's often a huge red flag. And at that point in time, I was so young. There's no way anyone could have told me that and that I would have believed it.
1: This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike
2: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: You started by saying in this relationship you sort of abdicated or compartmentalized different responsibilities. He had his things and you had yours.
0: Let's say we were both adept at different things and um, our, our roles were somewhat traditional, but not. He was very, very, he did what he did. He did it well. He had an unusual skill set, um, which actually played well into what I did for a living at the time. And so I didn't really, I didn't really question it. It was just, it was kind of a weird thing. And I, I think because um, I tend to like things that are unusual and things that are They're not conventional. It just, it worked. I was a business-minded person um, raised by a family of business-minded people. And really, I thought that I was going to be in a corporate job for my whole life and then realized I wasn't necessarily suited for that. And I still have this little dance inside of my own head, this, you know, waltz back and forth between, okay, I want to do something corporate or I want to do something entrepreneurial. I think I can probably do both.
3: Was Bob entrepreneurial? What was his skill set?
0: Bob's skill set was that he, he worked with very, very creative people who were very, very savvy. They were very, very innovative and they were powering the tools or creating the tools of tomorrow.
1: So like, are we talking about like tractor tools or chainsaws or technology like technology related tools? What kind of tools?
0: Uh, technology, like in, within uh, communications context, services, et cetera. And what you'll find is that truly innovative people are not really situated in one place. They tend to have a global presence because they might be anywhere on the globe. And so really, I find that those groups of people tend to be, you know, obviously by the nature of what it is. They're dotted all over the place, but they kind they convene in virtual spaces to share and to um, to innovate together.
1: Oh, so they know how to manipulate those virtual spaces really well because they built them.
0: Um, yes and no. Um, you kind of went the like the the dark hat route of what I was thinking. I was thinking on the white hat route, which would be, uh, you know, like we're all going to we're all going to put our heads together, kind of like um like in the context of the Ukraine war. There are a lot of people on the front lines that are dotted throughout the globe who are trying to assist, you know, the underdogs, the Ukrainians, to beat back the Russians. So I would say really more in that context, you can be anywhere. If you've got someone that you want to collaborate with, you can find a safe space to do it. Or if you can't find it, you create it.
3: So it sounds like you felt Bob and his colleagues were using their powers for good, at least at first.
0: Initially, yeah, yes. I would say Yes. And to be honest with you, I think that that's the case primarily. I'm not really sure at what point he crossed over to the dark side and or whether he like really on the surface is on the dark side. I know that he is with me and people can do that. People can have, you know, I don't want to say like multiple personalities, but you can have one identity during the day, kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde, where you're doing good things and you're trying to help the world and then secretly be doing other stuff that people don't know about that really would be frowned upon.
1: I mean... Also, if you're getting a divorce, we're just, I mean, I've been through one. <laughs> we are uh, very, very different people when we're dealing with a spouse who is about to not be a spouse. And so it could be the only time in his life where the heart of darkness uh, made an appearance.
2: When this uh, the dark side uh, started to manifest a little bit, uh, how many years in was that?
0: Uh, year one, year two. Wow. I just kind of accepted it that I'm like, well, maybe I'm the problem. I tried to, you know, to change me when in reality, you know, someone who's secure in self would say, this is not good for me. And they would question it and they would be open with their partner and say, I'm uncomfortable with X. And that was not something that occurred to me at that point in time. And when I really realized it was not safe to stay in the relationship, I'd have those conversations. And what I would hear back when I asked those questions was, well, the problem really is you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That can't be because I can't do all the changing. Like if we're going to be in a relationship with each other, it has to be a mutually beneficial thing. And right now I'm not being benefited. And so when that narrative changed, I was like, I have to go. And it took me a very long time to get there. But I was like, by the very end, I was like, got to go. See ya. Try to make it work. No hard feelings.
3: Well, you know, it's almost like that, you know, in a lot of relationships, it usually is Honey it's it's not you it's me. In this case it's it's not me it's you, honey. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was once in a relationship with somebody who all of my friends lovingly referred to as the claw because every time I tried to break up with her she would just Pull me back in, and um, so they called her to the claw. Because this just, is
3: an Al Pacino moment here.
1: I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Every time I tried, she'd be like, "You don't understand. We're not breaking up." And um, I'd be like, "Okay." So, <laughs> actually, Joe, our friend Joe, gave me the line that actually worked. Maybe Hope you can use someday. Uh, doesn't sound like you can use it with Bob. <laughs> but what he said was, "Darling." this can't be what you want it to be. And I was stunned, but it just stopped everything. This can't be what you want it to be. Now, I don't know if that works with a sociopath. Do you think that Bob kind of st- is 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 a normal person or was he doing things that kind of like veered off into what n-
0: normal people don't do? In hindsight, uh, there were a lot of red flags that I should have seen sooner but didn't. And it's taken me, you know, in like the... In the aftermath, you start trying to do postmortems and go, okay, where did I go wrong so I don't ever do this again?
2: One thing I'm wondering about, just in terms of the relationship dynamic, uh, before you realized about all these red flags, was um, kind of how much uh, privacy you were allowed within the relationship.
0: Um. Privacy initially was, uh, it was fine. I don't think that, and and here's here's the paradox to this. Initially, I I don't think that privacy was an issue. Privacy became an issue at at a certain point in our relationship. Part of that, I think that um, he had no reason to to question me, question my motives, question any of my actions. In fact, it was almost the opposite. I, I actually wondered whether he actually cared at all. And for me, I felt very neglected. And so at some point when it switched, I remember thinking, God, this is weird. This is not, this is not what I, what I anticipated. And I I don't really like this. I kind of like, I kind of like being left to my own devices. I like my freedom. I like my independence. And so when it flipped from like almost too independent to, I can't, I'm under a microscope and I can't do anything. That was a real eye opener. And initially I, I accepted it and I was like, okay, well, he just really cares. And then I was like, "There's something seriously, seriously wrong." Because I would mention snippets of things to people around me, and they would look—they would look at me like I had foreheads. And I was—I started trying to like go, "Okay, like, what, what's wrong with this? Like, does anybody else experience this? Does anybody else? does their partner ask these questions about them? Do they get questioned?" And largely, the answer was no.
3: Well, was it, it? It sounds like there was a little bit of paranoia mixed into all of this, or maybe a lot of paranoia mixed into all of this. Was there something that happened that uh, an independent person would say? I don't, I don't like it when someone's paranoid, but I understand why they might have been triggered into paranoia. Was there a, a trigger event of some kind on either side of the relationship?
0: You're asking: Was there something that would cause him to have a reasonable expectation of, you know, of having paranoia? Um, did somebody do something to cause that? And the answer would be yes, yes, yes. And it was, but it was not a one-sided thing. It was a two-sided thing and absolutely trust was destroyed. And I think that the, the paranoia initially was very reasonable. However, at some point the paranoia was not reciprocated. And at some point because of the the nature of what happened and because of the genuine um, the genuine desire to set things right, I mean, like, I'm an open book. I have nothing to hide. And so ultimately, when the paranoia never subsided and, in fact, escalated, and it didn't, it did, I didn't reciprocate it and felt no need to, I started going, there's something very, very wrong. And this has nothing to do with me.
3: No, I, I, the point of my question is sometimes a per- partner in a relationship does something and then projects what they did on the other partner. Oh, True. Totally, so it's
0: Therefore, both. It's both. Well, it sounds okay.
1: like it sounds like if I could just do the subtitles for this, like speaking between the lines that we're doing, it sounds like you guys cheated on each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you guys—you really hit on both sides of it because both we both breached in, you know, breach fidelity on both sides of the coin. But I do believe that the projection was absolutely true.
1: So you got into you're in a relationship. The relationship hits a bump in the road a mutual bump in the road and you're still in a relationship. And it sounds to me like Bob has begun to spy on hope.
0: Uh, yes.
1: Is that fair? Yes. Is that fair? Yes. I mean, is he starting to now, is that possible because he has set up your family's digital life?
0: Yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah. And so now because Bob is, Bob feels entitled to control you know, the family's digital life and the family's digital profile and, you know, all the records, Bob is now, um, Bob is now using all of his skills to make sure he knows everything at all times. And if he can't find the answer to what he's looking for frequently, we'll fill in the blanks himself.
3: He'll make it up. He'll make it up. Correct. Are there, are there little people involved here too?
0: There are. There are several okay, little so, people. And so, okay, you know,
3: we I'm. Won't, we won't identify the number yeah. in order to protect the innocent. But we have more than one little people.
2: I'm wondering uh, how you became aware of um, some of the. Means that uh, Bob was using to uh, keep tabs on you.
1: How did you know he was spying on you? Was it just that he would say, "I saw you at the at the diner with with Daryl Hall," and how dare you date an aging rocker?
0: <laughs> um, well, let's put it this way: when he uncovered the infidelity, the method in which he did it was uh-huh. very invasive. Um, he uh... sought to use old. Um, devices for communication and just in general and you know essentially use system logs spyware uh, no not even like and, and that's just it like i think that people believe that with digital um, infringement uh that you have to use some special tools and you really don't have to you have to have an understanding of how this stuff works and if you understand the basis of how it sets up and where, when you send messages, how the files are stored, where they're kept, how to retrieve them, and you have a, a you know a minimal understanding of how to extract them, export them, um, you know move them around, you can really do a lot.
1: What's going on with the devices in your house? So do you get a new phone for yourself all the time or are phones getting recycled and shuffled around? Like, is your phone his phone? Kids using phones that belong to other people? Just wondering, like, what that hygiene looks like in your household.
0: It was all of the above.
1: Okay, so you could be using a phone. So you could be using a phone that used to belong to him.
0: Not anymore. At the time when I chose to leave the relationship, that was exactly the so case. So
1: that was the case when you, when he, when he ch- challenged you about Daryl Hall a- at the diner.
0: Um, in that case, I actually do not think it was the case. But oh. post that, yes, hundred percent.
1: So what was it the case at with Daryl Hall? Because I'm obsessed with Daryl Hall.
0: Okay,
3: sure Daryl John Hall- Oates. <laughs>
0: Um, there was only one John Hall. There were no other Oates or any other band members. Um, oh. It was no Keith. A, no Keith
3: Richard. no no. No, 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 no.
0: i'm I'm really boring. Um, but he felt threatened. And at that point, you know, all the all the autonomy that I had was erased.
2: What changed after the affairs? Was there any effort made to try to rebuild the relationship, or was this the beginning of the end?
0: I spent a significant chunk of time trying to reestablish how devoted, and loving and committed i was to him to the family to the future you know to the point where i you know quit work i quit my career for a little while you know totally focused on him and rebuilding and at some point realized oh my god this is not working I like hmm. I feel like I'm almost backwards. I've set myself backwards about a decade. It was very, very confusing. And I'm going, but I don't understand. Like he said this, but it seems like he means that. And so it took me a while to realize, oh, he's really messing with me. And so at some point, when you keep trying to do right by somebody, and no matter what it is, it's wrong, you start going, that's what I'm telling you. I got to the point of this really isn't about me. This is really all about you. And I can yeah. I can go to I can go to my grave trying to make you happy and you won't be, and you'll blame it on me, but I don't really have anything to do with this. That's really kind of your deal. You have to figure that out.
1: Got you. Now, uh, how many years after meeting Bob at the bar are we at this point?
0: I'm going to say, sadly, probably a good, like, four-fifths of the way into the relationship.
2: Sounds like this relationship wasn't healthy for a long time, and we don't know how long Bob might have been snooping or spying on you, or if he did any of this before the affairs. But you did say he was able to use information and data off of all devices, not by using malware or even hacking your phone. What stuff was he going through? Data, locations, messages? How was he getting the information?
0: Computers, phones, um, you know, just restoring old devices that were no longer in use to try and extract. message logs, email logs, things like that. And, you know, trying to then go through and, you know, as the family administrator, just going through all of my accounts because he had them. So he was fully able to to, to dive in and go where he wasn't. And, and for the most part, like I deleted things, but as we all know, just deleting something from a phone doesn't erase it. And so he was, he was um, savvy enough to go through and find the logs, the system logs and, you know, like where they still lived to extract them because they've never been like truly wiped from the drives.
2: Right. If someone has access to the uh, physical device itself, it's really hard to uh, just make sure that deleted data is actually deleted.
0: Deleted. Right. And that's exactly what it was. And so that's what I mean by you can use some pretty low tech stuff to gain a lot of information about somebody. And because in the context of, you know, privacy, like there are a lot of laws are really robust um, and and where I live to protect me, but the the knowledge of them isn't so good. Um, it's kind of high level stuff. And because people aren't familiar with it, they go, well, you know, what's the harm in that? And so they're not really in the context of day-to-day life. You know, if you're, you're in a relationship, you share passwords, you share, you know, all kinds of stuff. Like you might have a thumbprint or a, you know, like a face, uh, embedded in your phone to open it because you trust that person. And so you, you give up a fair amount of autonomy And in relationships where the trust is intact, that's fine. But when it's not, it becomes very dangerous.
2: And it's also very hard to prove, I would imagine, um, if he's uh, accessing these things without your consent.
0: Uh, Yes and no, it was. But it wasn't because over time, this is where I had to kind of learn to protect myself. And I learned to go back and start documenting things. And this is just the type of person that that I am. I mean, I have been in businesses where, you know, they're very cutthroat. And when stuff happens, you've got to cover your butt. And so you, I learned to document by email or whatever stuff, text messages. And at some point realized the need to start doing that here, but then have to do it on the DL. Because if I'm now saving things, whether it be screenshots, emails, or whatever, and I've got this trove of stuff that he can actually access. I remember creating like hidden folders on my desktop, that were inaccessible with under like covert other names to try and keep my stuff secure because I had no other security. I had no other privacy, but um, in doing so kept a pretty good record. The problem was, is even when I went to go show people stuff, only the really, really savvy people got it. Everybody else didn't care. And for the most part, when you're dealing with digital, you know, breaches of digital privacy, um, unless you are like a fortune 100 company, and even the fortune 100 companies they don't really care like the like um IEEE they don't give two shits about me or some other guy and i, I dated a guy after after the demise of this relationship who was actually the CTO of a fortune 100 company and he named an instance where his company was was breached and they contacted these groups or these you know these organizations and they didn't care so in the context of being a single user that is um, being affected this way the, the the law enforcement they don't know what we're talking about. Like they're low, 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 low tech.
1: Well, the police don't even often understand if you've been uh, had your identity stolen. They don't know what you're talking about,
3: and oftentimes they don't care.
1: So
0: right, it's not a big deal to them unless you're bleeding or dead.
1: And they don't care, Adam, because it is. A real pain in the butt to fill out the reports on those things because they're talking not only about a crime that they don't really believe happened But they don't understand how it happened or what it is Correct,
3: and a lot of them just don't have the resources
1: to do it And then if you come in as a as a female as the aggrieved party, there's the there's also the, 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 the a decent chance that you're going to run into the the not so quiet chauvinism of a very uh, testosterone ridden world of law enforcement where they're like, yeah, lady, whatever.
3: Invasive relationship that yeah. you found yourself in the stalking. Uh, the stalking. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Did it end?
0: No. And in fact, going back to you know the the, the claw woman that you mentioned, I had a similar experience. Yeah, the claw. I mean, I said I'm done, and he didn't accept it. And so I would find, and this is like a pretty typical thing for someone who's who's um, in a relationship. And I hate to use this word, but a narcissist. And that they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't accept that you're leaving me. You know, if anybody's doing the leaving, I'm doing the leaving. And so I would get that a lot. And I just was like, uh, no, I I'm done. And he didn't accept it. And so he would kind of hoover me back in and like, you know, the love and the kisses and the gifts and the whatever. And I was like, all right, you know, we've got a family and we've got all these things together and it's going to be really complicated. And like, as everyone says, cheaper to keep her, Right. So I'm like, I'll just figure it out. And then I did that until I couldn't. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not willing to accept this anymore. I'm not being a good role model for the little people. And it's just time. And I don't really care what you think. And that was when all hell broke loose. I was at home alone one day and Bob sent me a text message and indicated that, you know, it was my mistake to leave him and that. Um, he felt sorry for me and, you know, basically kind of like, I don't need you, you know, this is your, your problem and you, you know, whatever. And I basically responded saying, you know, okay, a little snippet of this is, this is what occurred between us. And this is just so wonderful. This is stupid me for wanting to leave this behind. And he unleashed on me and just started you know, just texting obscenities to me. And being home alone, we just had um, something like a security event in our house. And I was a little bit on edge to begin with. And after, you know, basically cursing me out, uh, shut down all of our lights, you know, so shut up the automation in our house and, you know, including blocking my devices from our Wi-Fi network. And, you know, was kind enough to leave me the corded phone, you know, which is still digital. So it was, it was a, it was a selection of what was going to be granted to me. And I called the police because it was really jarring. And I'm saying, don't touch anything. I'm home alone. I'm good. I want not be like, I'm scared. This is really creepy. But this cop shows up to understand what's going on. I'm like, yeah, you know, shut up the lights and it's, I don't really like it. And I'm concerned and, and, you know, they're required to say, um, are there children? And he you know, sees pictures of the little people on the walls and he's going, you know, they shouldn't see this. And it was in that instance that this was a third person telling me, maybe it's time to get a protective order. Maybe there's, it's time to put some physical space between the two of you that I finally said, you know what, it's time because in context of having children in the home, that they do not need to see this. They do not need to take part in this. They do not need to be affected directly by this. And I just thought it's it's time. It's really time. But for doing that, for making that choice, all hell loose I go to... Download an app, and it's sending the um, the approval to his phone. The emails were being sent to him, not the name me. On like notifications, I was receiving, change from mine to his. There's a camera in my home, in a place that I would have a reasonable expectation of privacy, and images of me that I would. Have.
3: We'll continue the rest of Hope's saga next week.
1: So, Adam, yeah. I was just reading, um, uh, Guinevere and I are heading towards our, believe it or not, fourth anniversary of blissful life together. And I, being a person who needs a lot of uh, support from the world at large, I Googled, um, how do you know your relationship is good <laughs> at the four-year <laughs> mark? <laughs> and the internet told me a whole bunch of stuff. You will be shocked when you hear the first item on this listicle about how do you know you're in a good relationship. I'm going to let both of you guess first. Go ahead. She doesn't
3: poison your food. You guys are twisted. Adam? She gives you the password to her account? Bingo. You
1: win, Adam. (laughs) That's right. But I was stunned because I, uh, you know... I don't do that. I, I, I feel like it goes against everything we talk about on this show.
3: It can be very dangerous, especially if the relationship that you thought was going well, suddenly stops going well. Now you have somebody who not only knows everything about you, but knows also how they can get into anything else they don't know
1: about you. Right. Because people reuse passwords and stuff. And now in my first marriage, my only marriage, um, I knew my I knew my wife's passwords uh and she knew mine probably because I would call and be like hey can you check something out from Travis knew my passwords for <laughs> ages everyone knew my passwords because it was ha 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 but um but the fact is that you know there's a certain point where you know history has the, the tides have changed and you can't do that stuff anymore and I think a lot of folks still do whether it's 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 joint bank accounts joint a lot of couples share a facebook account um i don't know like w- do we just have to not do that anymore is that what you think
3: well we're living in a sharing economy right the gig <laughs> economy in a surveillance economy so therefore yeah. <laughs> we we're also living in right in a surveillance economy as well uh and sometimes marriage can be a surveillance state depending upon uh, the two parties involved
1: yeah but we're not talking about you and heather and the way that you <laughs> stalk her instagram account <laughs> no to but find out and, what she's up to
3: and in the alternative uh heather pretty much manages anything to do with our lives because she's really good at that and i'm not yeah and so uh h- half the time i have to ask her if she can give me a clue as to whatever username or Password we're using for certain accounts. Oh, really? But, yeah. But, you know, th- this is part of uh, when people get married. Oftentimes they will delegate. They will share. They will compartmentalize. Like, yeah, you do yeah. this. I do this. And uh, it's very important that both people know as much as they possibly can about what's going on. But at the same point, have some level of privacy in their lives. It's healthy. Uh, it's very healthy.
1: Travis, what do you think about this? Do you and Clea have this kind of uh Yeah, we, have,
2: we have one another's passwords. I, mean, I, I think yeah. one of the main things that we, we have the general agreement of, if you ever need to, you can get into this account, and please don't.
1: Got you. So you have her email password and her social media passwords.
2: Uh, yeah, she doesn't go a lot on uh, social media. But yeah, I have her email password, and she has mine. It's something where a couple of times it's just it's come in handy that if uh, she's not in the house, I need to look up like the reservation number to something. It can be, um, it, it can just, you know, it can be useful in that way. But one of the things about it is if I ever have need to actually check anything in her email, I will say immediately afterwards, by the way, I was in your email earlier today. It's one thing that I've uh, that I actually have to wonder about because uh, my wife and I have been together for over twenty years at this point, and so that predated social media, that predated smartphones, and all that other sort of stuff. Um, where it used to really just be yeah, uh, you'd have one password for one email account, um, and that was it. I don't know if we were starting over today if we'd have the same level of uh, openness.
1: I just think it's it it's not about it's not about being you know open or uh willing to share everything or having nothing to hide because i'm not worried about any anything in that regard with guinevere i have nothing to hide but i do have a lot of things to protect and i see no reason to ever allow there to be any vulnerability however insignificant in that
3: armor in In Hope's case, perhaps she'd have been a little safer if she had her own cell plan instead of a family plan yeah so sh- for should starters we, should we advocate that partners not share a phone plan? That's rough because you get a better deal if you do
1: share it well
3: that's it that's it it's a it's a money saver yeah um. Uh,
2: well, it's something too. I mean, in the next episode, we're going to get into a little bit more about um, Bob's uh, technical capabilities and the like. But I think even if, from what it sounds like, or at least from the impression I've gotten, even if Hope was not sharing passwords, even if they were on completely separate plans, I still think he seemed both uh, determined and uh, tech savvy enough to get in.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And 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 if and and if your relationship is going sideways. You also need to have separate devices and plans. It really, at the point where you know things are heading in the wrong direction is when you sever. And you have to, it's just for your own safety. Um, because while a partner, a life partner, is the, the most trustworthy person in your life, a life partner spurned is the opposite.
3: Well, that's what makes this whole issue so complicated, is when there's trust, it's appropriate And in fact, a really good thing to share. But when trust is lost, uh, then it gets tricky. Very, very tricky. And you you have a moral decision to make. Yep. Thanks so much for listening this week. We really appreciate it. And check back in next week for Chapter 2 in the Hope Bob Saga.
1: What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree
3: Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names.
1: You can find
2: us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.